0: my journey's been short but i've learned a lot in in 12 months um and the two deals that i've done but i guess for me i would just stress the importance of the team that you put around yourself and how important that is like i the the two books that i talked about the ones that i grabbed from gimmicks and read cover to cover um that was the first thing i took from those two books is yeah you need you need the right people around you you can't navigate it all by yourself you don't know you only know what you know so yeah i you know I, I don't know that I would have got through Chermside the way I did if it wasn't for the pre-team around me and I'm sure that I wouldn't have had a finance clause in there to save, save my deposit, had things gone south. So yeah, that would be my message.
1: You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Welcome to Property Investor Tales, Stories from the Front Yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Brighton. I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. My guest today is Luke Solden. Now, we discuss how he and his fiancee, Rachel, acquired two properties um, starting at 25 and uh, having two properties under their belt at 26 years old, uh, why they chose rent vesting versus buying their PPR, and an exciting and stressful journey settling their second property with no extension from the developer when finance got tricky, the lender backtracked on an approval and settlement due in four hours. So enjoy this conversation with Luke. So today I'm super lucky to have Luke in the studio with me, or in my home office, I should say. Studio sounds way more professional. Uh, and um in- Luke is one part of a young couple he and his fiancee Rachel both only 26 years old and um and already investing with a couple of properties behind them which is absolutely fantastic to see so this is another bit of a um a young guns um expose so to speak uh, we have um we have some lessons today and just some stories to illustrate that not everything always goes to plan, not everything's always straightforward, um, but uh, there is a happy ending to all of this. So we're going to walk you through step-by-step step, uh, Luke and Rachel's latest uh, purchase and what happened and, um, and where they ended up. So first of all, welcome to today's podcast, Luke. Great to have you here.
0: Oh, thanks, Tab. Great to be here. Looking forward to having a chat.
1: <laughs> and so um, Luke, by his own admission, is, um, is ambitious and uh, always keen to move forward. And, uh, and that, that often means that we can push forward sometimes and worry about consequences later. Uh, is that something that you'd say uh, is true to your nature?
0: Uh, yes. I think uh, everyone who knows me knows that I'm pretty ambitious with most things in my life. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess what I've realized with property investing is that, you know, patience game and that sort of tests, tests my ambitions a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> I've had to learn to control my ambitions a little bit.
1: Right, and, I mean, patience is a wonderful thing uh, and it's uh, hard-earned often, uh, but I can, I can tell you from somebody that has a similar profile possibly to yourself from a patience perspective, um, it, is, it is worthwhile. Um, the, the rewards do come from, you know, being patient in the market. And often for people that aren't familiar with investing, often patience in the market can seem like a ridiculous stretch. That might be 10 years, it might be 15 years before you see, you know, some really fantastic solid results. Um, you'll get small increments often where properties will perform and you'll feel, you know, good that you're moving in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you'll see those big upswings like what we saw post uh, GFC, what we're seeing post COVID, um, where markets just really take off and um, and go crazy. So, um, So, Stick with it
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, is
1: my advice. And I know you're getting good advice from your fabulous coach. Jared's your coach, isn't he?
0: Yes. Yeah. Jared is awesome. We've built a yeah pretty good working relationship with each other.
1: Oh, fantastic. And you've also in amongst settling two properties and everything else that you got going on. Um, you've also managed to um have a baby in the mix um early on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: so young parents, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, it's all humming. <laughs> uh, but yeah we've it's sort of all happened at once for us but yeah it's, it's, it's an exciting time
1: yeah awesome awesome um I had my daughter really young too I think I was 20 when I had my daughter uh and um and I always remember at the time as much as I love my daughter and she'll probably watch this thinking oh you yeah, know there's all this stuff As much as I wanted her and I enjoyed being a parent there was also that aspect I was missing out while my friends were going out and stuff but I can tell you as a young parent coming out the other side when all my friends are going through their teens and I've got a 31 year old daughter now it is it is awesome so um congratulations to being a young parent I think that's fantastic and um And so for you guys, tell me about Canberra. Tell me about your Canberra property because that was your first property that you bought, wasn't it? And that was outside of your journey with positive real estate?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yep, Canberra was our first purchase. It it kind of took a while to to land on Canberra, actually. Initially, so my background, I'm a carpenter by trade. Um, Ah. So it's actually been, yeah, that's probably where my life, I guess, real estate and housing in general has sort of come from. I was really lucky to work for a fantastic builder. after worked, uh, did a lot of jobs for like a high-end architect, and got to work on some jobs in Bellevue Hill in Sydney, um, some of those sorts of suburbs around there, and just to, to look at some of the jobs and the houses and the, the properties and just quite mind blowing, to be honest. And I just always thought to myself, I can't wait to get my hands on my own property that I can, you know, use my skill set on and, um, yeah, you know, develop or um, add value to or something along those lines. So yeah, I guess. From a young age, I I started my apprenticeship at 17. Um, My goal was to own a home as quickly as I could and that's sort of what I saved towards. Um, And then I met Rachel quite young as well. I was only 20 when I met Rachel. Um, And yeah, she was on, you know, we're kind of on a similar path. So um, yeah, we got to a stage where we, we actually looked at buying our own house living in Sydney. And uh, yeah, the prices of what you get in Sydney you know we live on the sunny northern beaches of uh of sydney for those who know the area and it's a uh, two bedroom unit that was built in the 90s for a million dollars these days and um mm. yeah i just didn't want to bring myself to that stage um so i actually had loosely heard the term of rent investing yes. so yeah so i i kind of did a little bit of my own research around rent investing and what that meant yeah um and yeah it, it kind of stuck out to me so it's, it's a path that I decided to go down and we looked at some different areas like the Central Coast, which was just going bananas. I think we probably got in there a couple of months too late. The kind of gone where properties were going for 600,000 two months earlier. They were up into the 800. It was right. unbelievable. Like at Long yep. Beach, just crazy, crazy stuff. So, um, yeah, it was actually just a random search on maps on, on realestate.com and I saw some one bedroom units in Canberra for around the 300s, mid 300s, low yep. 300s. And I saw that they were getting rental returns in the fall. And I was just like, wow, that's a cheap property and that's a lot of rent. And I, you know, I knew nothing about real estate, but that word again, ambition, got the better of me. And I, uh, yeah, I just literally um, got onto this property that I love the look of. It it gave me all of the details of the expenses, the outgoings, and what the uh, estimated rent was. And I made up my own little spreadsheet to work out um, at, at my best guess my best wow. guess, what I was going to be left with at the end of 12 months. And um, I kind of worked out that it was going to be, you know, maybe slightly positive by a couple of grand, you know, nice. and um, so yeah, that was enough for me to do getting in contact with the real estate agent. Um, and he literally did a walkthrough for me on Zoom. I never even inspected the property in person. And I put in an offer um, straight away. Uh, I said to Rachel, I said, I found this property. I said, it's not going to cost us a cent. Um, let's do it. Like, let's just, bite the bullet and do it and and yeah mm. she supported me like Rach, you know she doesn't understand the as much as i do but she supports me and and we're always trying to head with our goals so yeah yeah i guess yeah i guess she supported me and, and and i put in an offer and it was accepted so um ah. yeah amazingly it's you know the six week settlement period we uh we had the same um property manager the same company as the sales agent so they actually yep. were able to um hold open homes during that sort of um, settlement period. We had a tenant moving the day after settlement, so yeah, like Fantastic. it's twelve yeah, twelve months has gone by now, and um, the tenants just resigned for another twelve months. We've got to put the rent up a little bit um, Good. yeah, but it's um it sort of all happened so quickly, and I was really enjoying the ride it, one settlement happened, I was kind of like, oh, it's over now, and I was sort of just <laughs> scratching my hands going, I want to do that again so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah so like people who know me know that I hate reading I've never finished a book cover to cover in my life um so I think it was like three days after settlement in Canberra I found myself in Dimmicks and I walked out with two property investment books and I read them cover <laughs> to cover in two days so that's <laughs> you, that's got, the that yeah, you got, got the bug yeah
1: you got the bug straight in, away in a- I'm gonna pause you on that because there's a lesson in this, right? So yeah. um, I've been coaching with Positive Real Estate for over 15 years and it's really interesting. You get to see patterns of behavior with mm-hmm. people and and it's it, people often join our mentoring and coaching program because they wanna know how to get good deals, where to get good deals. They might be busy and they just want good deals and yeah. they want to buy the right property. And um, and they want a result, right? And so there's a lot of assumption that it's all about the property deal. But yes. the thing that undoes 90% of clients and people, just people in general investing, what I see from talking to people that have had a result that they weren't happy with, um, what the main thing is, is that people sell too fast because they get we all love the positive feeling we get from taking action, right? It's addictive. You you get in there, you negotiate, you find a property, it's exciting, you settle it, it's awesome. And then it's like, well, what now? Now you sit on your hands for 15 years, you don't touch the bloody thing. (laughs) And everyone goes, well... Nah, maybe I bought the wrong one. Should I sell it and buy a different one? I can find another one. There's a deal over here. This agent's come back to me. Maybe I bought the wrong thing. And there's this perpetual kind of drive to constantly change and fiddle with stuff. So my my best advice to you, my uh, my young friend is, um, and I'm sure Jared's telling you the same stuff, is now yep. don't touch it for a bit. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep.
0: Yep, he's certainly Find has. a hobby. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about Canberra is, and, you know, the classic market that we're in, like I could already recycle my deposit, but, um, you know, in 12 months, it's kind of crazy how quickly the market yeah. moved even down there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, like, like you say, you know, buy well, never sell, only here. Um Jason stayed it all the time and yeah, I'm on board with that, so. Yeah, good, good man,
1: good man. Because it really becomes a disease usually at around the seven-year mark everyone yep. goes oh well my property it went up initially and then it dropped back and then it's been flat and it hasn't done anything and the rents have gone sideways and the tenant's been a pain in the butt and, and there'll be this and 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 people get really twitchy so where properties perform is you know is that longer term and i know even for myself properties I've been bored with and fed up with, if I've just left them alone, man, you end up loving them so Mm -hmm. much. They're just the best things since sliced bread because they get that time to mature. So, and then move us along. So you've obviously gone to a positive real estate information night. You've met Jared, you've liked what you've seen, you've um, become part of our program, which is awesome. And yes. um, and you've purchased your first property. And I'll just give the guys a quick rundown if you don't mind. So it was um, a unit in Chermside, which is inner, innerish Melbourne.
0: Brisbane. Oh, sorry,
1: Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne. I've got Melbourne on the brain because I'm here. <laughs> Brisbane. Um, and it was an awesome price point. They're relatively large units too. So um, they've got great yeah. living space. There's the ability to potentially short stay them if you wanted to. Um, for better cash flow, did you buy a one better or a two better?
0: Ah, uh, we bought a two better. Yeah.
1: Great. And yeah, um, we had the
0: one in Canberra, so we um in discussion and part of our plan with Jared would be able to to sort of go for a two.
1: Yeah, yeah, great to get a two better, two better, two bathroom, two better, one bathroom.
0: Ah, uh, two bed, two bath.
1: Awesome. Um, yeah. fantastic. Love that. And um, are you happy to share uh, prices? No stress if you're not.
0: Yeah, yeah, so we um, agreed on 467. Wow,
1: 467. Yeah. Do you know yeah. how many square metres that is?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I want, it's around the 90, between 90 and 100. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I'm pretty well, sure... Well,
1: let's do 95, right? We'll do a yeah. middle. So we go 467 divided by 95. Um, and this is nuts. This is yeah. under 5,000 per square metre you're paying. So so to put this in context, you know, often um, brand new units in Brisbane, depending on how high and and quality the fixtures and fittings are, could be anything from, you know, eight, 9,000 per square meter up to, you know, 15,000 plus for those, you know, those luxury um, apartments. So to secure um, a unit for around, just under 5,000 per square meter is really good value for money. And that's the internal measurements that does not count balcony, et cetera. That's
0: right, that's
1: right. So, so then, what that means um, for Luke um, and Rachel is there is a very strong potential for upswing. So, if they were to put it on the market and sell, could they get the, you know, seven, eight thousand per square meter? Um, And because the team here had um, done such an outstanding job securing those um, units and negotiating with the developer, uh, then, you know, they did get some really good pricing in the market. So congratulations um, to you you and Rachel, because, you know, you'll do really well out of that. And what did it, um, tell me about the rent, because...
0: Yeah, so we actually don't have a tenant yet. As yet, we yep. actually only settled think mean, it was a week and a half ago now, or maybe two weeks. It's gone so quick, I can't remember. But yeah, I think Cass, our property manager, Cass has been awesome. Um, he's saying around 490 to 510 490. a week. Yeah, wow. In that in that sort of range, it, it was a quite amazing. Like obviously, for people who don't know, that it was originally meant to settle in December, and there were some delays with settlements, um, title registrations, etc. Yeah. Um, so initially, was only looking around the 450 mark a week, and just in that sort of four or five months delay, rents went up, you know, another by another 40 to 60 dollars a week. So
1: well, that's awesome. So that's yeah. you know that's well over a five percent yield. Because sorry, what did yeah. you say the price was? 460.
0: 467.
1: Right. So once again, we'll work out the yield. So those of you guys that don't know how to work out a yield, if the rent's 490 a week times 52 is 25,000 odd divided by the purchase price, 460. Yeah. Yep. Um, That gives us a 5.5% yield. Um, Mm. So, you know, with a standard yield these days dropping because prices have increased so much, a 5.5% yield in a major capital city outstanding result once again. Um, so, you know, congratulations um, to you both. That's an awesome result. But All of this aside, it wasn't always straightforward, right? Because no, not quite. <laughs> the reason not you quite. went into this deal was because it was supposed to be essentially an existing deal, because with COVID and some uncertainty around jobs, um, you needed something that you could get essentially a finance approval for and settle within a relatively short time frame and sometimes if i can say it shit goes sideways right
0: yeah it <laughs> so does
1: take us on that story because some job stuff changed things sort of went a bit yeah. sideways
0: yeah so when i yeah first signed up with pre and met with jared we uh, it was sort of actually in the middle of the lockdown we had in sydney so um you know we were sort of working from home in a little bit of limbo with work and things like that um yeah so i said to jared that um you know we had the funds there to make you know another purchase and that i'd like to do that sort of soonish and um considering the situation we're in we decided to move quickly on something that was ready made um some rebate stock which they had in shermside and funnily enough when jared had and amanda my um, property consultant had mentioned shermside it was one of the first um things i would looked through in the Facebook group, mentoring Facebook group. i would looked through all the stuff on it already and just listening, um, yeah, and reading over the profile, I was already in love with the place. So when they suggested it, I was kind of jumping at the bit to um, be be involved with it anyway. Um, Yeah, so I, we actually, and it it really kind of went sideways from the start in some aspects because the first broker that we spoke to actually told us that we wouldn't be able to service the loan Ah. they they basically said to us that we would need to come, um you know come back if we had an increase in our wage and uh-huh. i i kind of thought to myself i was like oh i'm, I'm sure like you know looking at our numbers that we could sort of, like get this over the line for sure yeah um so i went and got a second opinion um from a different broker um and the route that this broker took was rather than going through every nut and bolt that um that they could he just submitted an application to a bank with the minimum amount of information they asked for rather than combing through every thing with a fine tooth comb. We just submitted what the banks had asked for and allowed them to make their own assessment on our position. Um, and yeah, funnily enough, um, quite quickly and without too many questions, we had an approval for, yeah, for our, our loan and we we're ready to That's go.
1: awesome. Yeah, that so right. was awesome.
0: And, and then it was meant to settle in December. So then things went a little more sideways
1: so we've got another lesson in there so just because one broker or one bank says no um we don't take no as an answer we have to explore other opportunities because there's you know how many lenders are out there hundreds of them right and um and so if it's not one of the major fours there may be other alternatives um you know there's second tier third tier lenders um, that all have viable options, um, and sometimes it's just how one broker or finance person or lender might look at your situation. Another might have, um, you know, they they may do a lot of work with another lender where they get um, their deals okayed a bit faster. There can be all sorts of reasons why one broker can get or one lender will approve an application versus another. Um, so never ever ever accept an initial no um, as a final no. Um, find out what the challenges are, and um, and then locate. I mean, we have our six star team here that um, work with our clients um, pretty solidly to get them awesome results. But it, you know, if if you're not part of the positive real estate team, make sure that you question a broker. What percentage of people? Uh, what percentage of their work is investor work? Have they worked with lots of clients getting loans across the line? Do they have other lending alternatives outside of the common majors um, for people that might be a little bit outside the square? And if you don't service, what do you need to do to service to once again get it across the line? Um, so awesome result, Luke, at not taking you know, that first No. But then tell us what happened. So you were hoping for it to settle because there was some job uncertainty on Rachel's behalf and you were wanting it to settle, you know, around that December mark to ensure that you got financed through and there was no stress. But what happened?
0: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, um, there was a delay in the registrations of the titles for term side. Um, that they sat with the council for I think almost six months. I'm um, to be honest, I don't know the ins and outs of the delays, but yeah, it was, at the end of the day, yeah, COVID and yep. uh, we they had the floods up there as well. So yep. there was a whole heap of contributing factors, I'm sure, to to the delays that we saw. And I think it wasn't till yeah july this year or, or end of june that yeah titles eventually did register and um were able to settle so there was a, quite a quite a delay and every week that went past, i'll sort of tap my foot check my emails okay. going come on come on but yeah unfortunately it's it, you know it went the way it went um yep. and i, I kind of knew that from that point it was going to probably be an uphill battle because yeah we did end up having what we anticipated which was some changes in our circumstances
1: Right. Um, And that affected your ability to get finance potentially, didn't it? So suddenly, yeah, Yeah, we went from being in a position where finance was a given to being in an uncertain position because of the delays. So then what happened?
0: Yeah. So uh, basically what happened was when the titles were registered, my solicitor sent through some outstanding documents to the bank. uh, And that when that was entered, on their end through their system. Uh, their system automatically generated, which we didn't know at the time, uh, another approval letter with a date of the 14th of June. So huh? we received another approval, like a second loan approval, because we knew that the time had expired from the initial approval and that we would need to get a reassessment done. Um, yeah. So yeah, we were honestly, we were quite surprised to receive that, that second approval letter dated in June. Um, huh. We knew that there was still that item outstanding, uh, but yeah, obviously for whatever reason, it just triggered an automatic
1: <laughs> an automatic uh, yeah, okay,
0: automatic okay from their end, and ah. so to so, us yeah. and to everyone else, it was like okay, well, wow, we're well, we're good to go.
1: So, and once again, this is just an anomaly that happened to go in your favor, right? Because when, uh, when an approval elapses, then you have to go through the whole loan process again to reapply normally is the case. And if these guys had had to have done that, then um, potentially they would have got a decline um, due to uh, their change of circumstances around the income. So what happened was they resubmitted um, a few of the docs um, and yep. they got an auto-generated response from the lender, which they could then push back on the lender and say, you've actually approved this. Um, so yep. tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So, well, I, probably the first thing I should mention is that, and this is, I guess, again, part of having a, a six-star team around you and people in the know, is that we had a finance clause in our contract, which... I would never have known about if it wasn't for free. Um, There's no way. Uh, And that that allowed essentially 21 days from the titles being registered to pull out of the deal and our deposit essentially wasn't on the line. You know, the only thing that I would recoup was that $2,000 holding deposit that we paid at the start. So basically when titles were registered, we knew we had 21 days to get the deal done. Um, I wasn't going to risk going beyond that just because of our position. Yeah. Um. Other people may have. Um. Yeah. So yeah, when we got that that final approval letter, I, I basically went to my solicitor and said, "Here's the the final approval letter. Let's uh go straight to settlement. I'm ready to settle on this. We're excited." <laughs> and um. But, yeah. Thankfully, my my broker and again people that have around you did say to me, "Just hold off paying the deposit. Uh. I just have a feeling that something isn't quite right here. Uh." So that's what we did. I transferred the funds into the trust account of the solicitor ready to go for settlement, but we didn't pretend it beyond that point. Um, And what the bank actually then did was provide a date and time for settlement. And on the day of settlement in the the morning, we received an email from one of the people at the bank basically saying that our loan had to be reassessed because the time had elapsed.
1: (laughs) the cheeky buggers
0: so So they decided that that,
1: yeah that the automatic response was uh was not okay and they tried to renege on your approval
0: on the day
1: of settlement
0: on the day of settlement so the internal uh, communication obviously wasn't of a, a high standard and it it was picked up by someone at the last the final hour before settlement and um yeah they pulled the pin on that day and and they didn't go to settlement and they basically said that um yeah, we'd have to go through a full reassessment, which left us only seven days at this point until our finance clause expired. Oh my so, my, so that I would was, have been um, pretty stressful. stressful. Very stressful. Yeah, so I, I, to be honest, I was kind of like, I, I always try to be positive and see the positive side of situations, but even I started to feel that maybe it wasn't going to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but in saying that, I was, also wasn't going to give up until an hour before the off. So uh, yeah, I guess I just went to work and got on the phone to the team. I was Joanne. I had Joanne O'Halloran. She was my contract ma- um, manager. She was amazing. Yeah. Um, we had Amanda and Jared. I was on the phone to them three, four, five times a day, bouncing the between calls, getting suggestions. But yeah, my broker, mainly at the end of the day, is the one that had to go into back for me with the bank. And yeah, uh, yeah again, he, he was worth his weight in gold. In the way that he went to fight for us and basically the only route that we could go with the time that we had left was the fact that that in, um, issued that approval dated the 14th of June yeah and legally yeah we really like we really had to push up the chain of the, of the bank of the lender uh and it ended up getting all the way right to the sitting at the top of the tree it was their their top solicitors were looking over it um and waiting to, we we're basically waiting for a response from them wow um, they still were pushing back. They were still saying, "Look, we're not going to, you know, take any risks. The whole thing needs to be reassessed. Yeah. Um. So we pushed back again and said, "Well, you know, you've, how are any other parties except for you meant to know that this doesn't mean you're ready to settle?"
1: Yeah, especially when they've given you literally given you an approval letter, stamp, date stamped.
0: Date stamped. <laughs> so
1: date why stamped. wouldn't you proceed if you got that? Like.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right, yep. and. Yeah, so, what did so they I. Say? Well, basically, in the end, and, and I'll be completely honest with you, I don't know what the final flick was to get it over the line. Yeah. Um, the day, so basically, the day that our final call ran out was on a Monday. And uh, the Friday prior to that, they'd basically come back with a half positive email saying that it was um, the reassessment was going to take place. It was quite a random email that didn't really give us any real direction, hmm. uh, and apparently in the bank world they don't work after midday on a Friday, so we received that at about eleven thirty. Don't work after
1: midday on a Friday.
0: Apparently, oh. and we got we got because we got absolutely no response after midday we um, on that Friday because we got we got that email and we we're trying to get clarification of exactly what it meant, and uh, we couldn't get onto anyone related to no, the calls. Um, people who were responding to emails within half an hour went quiet and yes, yeah, Friday 5 PM came around and we'd had no response. And I went, well, my only hope now is to get an extension on the finance schools. Otherwise this deal's probably gonna fall over. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was kind of up in arms about where we we're at and, and what to do from there. And I think yes. over that weekend, myself and Rach had both accepted the fact it probably just wasn't gonna be. Yeah, so what yeah. happened? Well, Monday comes around um, and the lovely Joanne gets on the phone and emails to the developer fighting for us to get an extension on our um, finance laws. Yep. Um, unfortunately, they knocked that back initially. Um, they can they sell it for cool. more
1: now, right? Well, that's
0: right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I understand. I, I wasn't holding my hopes, but I was obviously not going to leave those stone unturned. Yeah. Um, out of nowhere, I was sitting at lunch at work at one o'clock in the afternoon, watching the time go by, waiting for the calls to the solicitor say, well, we're going to have to pull out the deal. Yep. And I got a call from my broker saying, we're settling at 4pm. And I just went, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? Today, 4pm. Yeah, mate, it's over the line. I went, "I just couldn't believe it, honestly. I was actually in shock. Uh, I almost didn't want to believe it until I had some kind of confirmation.
1: Totally.
0: The solicitor, considering everything that had gone on, it was just so crazy. And it almost made no sense. It was like we need some kind of dream almost um oh, they would have liable. been worried
1: about their liability for sure like if they'd given you yeah. an approval letter and the developer refused to give you an extension like there must have yeah. been some liability issue on their behalf that they were yeah. they were shitting bricks excuse the french well, but, had, yeah.
0: yeah they had my solicitor um going at them from her angle through her channels. yeah she had um they had my uh, broker going at them from his angle and then they had me calling up the general phone line trying to get on with someone to give them a piece of my mind, basically. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I guess in the end, it all it all came to a head and, and they said, right, well, we have to stand by this. And, yeah, they agreed to settle. So I was driving home from work and got a message from the solicitor saying, congratulations, it's settled. <laughs> and I can guarantee you we did have a bottle sir. of champagne that night.
1: Well so you got an approval and settlement in what four hours or something? Four
0: hours. Yep. Four hours. I think
1: I think that is a record. I don't think I've yeah. heard of anything faster than that. And if any of you guys have done better than that, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> but what a what a battle to get it done. But what an awesome wow. deal that you've got done. A five and a half percent yield, a ninety yeah. ninety to hundred square meter unit. Um, such good price point buying the ability to short stay it if you want to at some point um you know and really up that cash flow even further um in a you know in a fantastic spot in in a major capital city uh so you know um
0: congratulations thank you yeah i know it's um like i still can't to be honest can't quite believe that it it all happened and how quickly it happened I said to I said to Jared it felt like I was in a dog fight to to a certain degree. I was on the phone to so many people for a week straight, all day, every day. And um yeah, I mean it all paid off in the end and um it was such a good deal and I knew that. And I yeah. I would have been I would have been spewing to see it go. Um yeah. but you know, I, I also understand that sometimes things just happen and, and it is what it is. So yeah, this time it worked out for the best.
1: Well, congratulations on your mindset um, because, uh, you know, mindset is the key to pretty much 90% of anything we achieve in, in life. I, um, I'm an avid, everyone will roll their eyes hearing me say this. I'm an avid, avid ultra runner. I love long distance and all of it past a certain distance, past 30K, it's all in your head, right? Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if it's 100K, 200K, it's all in your head after that. And it's the same with investing. Like I would have had people that I would have coached through the challenges that you've had that would have felt like they had a different outcome um, simply because of their filters and how they process it and what meaning they put on it you know it might have ended up being a terrible experience that was so stressful and they never want to go there again whereas mm. you know you have turned this round into a, a bit of an adventure a dog yeah. fight an yeah. awesome story and a successful investing um you know journey and and I think it just goes a long way to speak to what your future success will be, Luke. So, you know, for you and Rachel to navigate that at such a young age, with everything else that you've got going on in life, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. So congratulations, I, you know, I think that, um, if we were giving out awards, <laughs> you'd certainly qualify. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. And, and so for you, um, I guess one of the questions that I always ask people on a podcast is if you could speak to your younger self. And I I think it's probably um, maybe not the question for you guys, because you are, you are young and I don't want to talk down to you. We're only 12 months into our
0: journey, aren't we really? It's kind of hard to believe, but um, yeah, I mean, I've already learned so much. Like to be honest, I could almost talk to to the Luke who bought Canberra 12 12 months ago and say, go for it. Like, the, oh, I mean, again, this, is, this goes to show how important it is to have the team around you and, and it goes yeah. to show with what happened in Chermside. But yeah. like my property in Canberra, we paid a 20% deposit. We huh. P P&I huh. um, mortgage. Uh, yeah. All of these things that I wasn't aware of in terms of property investing. Like we could put down 10% deposit. We could have bought yep. two units, you know. Interest only, I could have been way more cash positive you know, all these sorts of things that I didn't yeah. know that had I done the research or been a part of pre, you know, I would have known this, um, but yeah. you know, life's a journey and we learn and uh, it was only took me one purchase to realize I needed a team around me. And That's how I, I landed at free. But, um, yeah, the other thing that happened, like that unit, I, I bought it from the developer. So they actually held onto it for four years. And what I quickly realized was they fogged the depreciation and then handed it off to me. And again, had I uh, had I known, and you only know what you know, um, you know. But look, to be honest, it's it's not the it's not the worst purchase uh, in the world. It's it's worked out well for us. But you know, there's still lessons learnt from right from the start. That yeah, um, yeah. If I, if I could go back in time, I I would do things differently with that deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, and in the great points you raise because often it's the learning by trial and error that extends so much time to our investing journey. It stops it from being a 10 to 15 year journey and it ends up being a 25 to 30 year journey, mm. um, which, you know, if you're getting the desired outcome, that's great. But can we fast track that a hundred percent and all yep. of those things that you, um, you touched on the things that we, where we often start with our investing, right? Why would you pay lenders mortgage insurance if you don't have to, if you can put down 20%? Well, (laughs) because leverage is king, yeah? Yeah. And you're bang on with, um, you had two 10% deposits rather than one 20% deposit. Could you have bought two properties, not one property? Um, Or could you have bought a higher price point property or a a different property uh, if those funds stretched further? Um, P&I great that you're paying the debt down awesome it's not a mistake but is it holding back your serviceability is it affecting your cash flow on a day-to-day basis that if we tweak that and it was interest only you know you could afford to do more in your acquisitions phase and this is all stuff I know you know I'm reiterating it for everyone that's listening that might be brand new but it's it's important stuff that can Stop us in our tracks in our early investing, because the result, if we want a faster result, then the key thing is to get as much in the market as you can safely with all your risk mitigated um, as quickly as possible, because the more you have in the market working for you, then the faster you get there. If it takes you 15 years to get your five properties or your four properties or your six properties, whatever you need, well, then you still have to wait for that property to perform for the next 15. Um, And this is where these one percenters can have a massive impact on people's final journey and outcome. Um, So I know for a lot of clients that I've interviewed, every single one is pretty much without fail has said, if I had my time again, I'd start earlier, yeah?
0: Yeah, I don't (laughs) know about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so how old were you when you bought your first?
0: Uh, We would have been 20. 25? 25
1: 25 yeah. awesome yeah. fantastic so yeah. um yeah no i mean that's an that's an awesome result you could be you know feasibly retired anywhere between 35 to 40 which would be fantastic and if i know you, you you've probably got an earlier goal set in
0: mind <laughs> oh, i don't know i don't know what i do with myself if i wasn't working to be honest
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, you know what you can come up with all sorts of things but i yeah. think the main thing is you get choices. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You Go get to work choices. because I want to do, not because I have to.
1: Yeah. I'm sure yeah. positive real estate would have a coaching role for you.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: I'll just put that out there. I
0: have, I have LinkedIn if you want to send me a message. <laughs>
1: That's funny but um yeah yeah, absolutely we're always looking for um for coaches so um and we love recruiting from our own clients so um that would i'm sure be part of the parcel if you were interested um but anything else any other lessons anything else you wanted to wrap up with for today anything that you would like people to understand about the investing
0: journey to be honest I just like obviously my my journey's been short but I've learned a lot in in 12 months um in in the two deals that I've done but I guess for me I would just stress the importance of the team that you put around yourself and how important that is like I the the two books that I talked about the ones that I grabbed from Dimmicks and read cover to cover um that was the first thing I took from those two books is yeah you need you need the right people around you you can't navigate it all by yourself you don't know you only know what you know so yeah, I, you know, I I don't know that I would have got through term side the way I did if it wasn't for the pre-team around me. And I'm sure that I wouldn't have had a finance clause in there to save, save my deposit, had things gone south. So yeah. yeah, that would be my message.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All righty. Well, um, um, congratulations to you and Rachel once again. And thank you. Um, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. And, um, and it is going to be going live quite quickly. So it will be right. out next week. Uh, and um, I know people will get heaps from um, today's podcast. So thank you so much, Luke. Thanks for sharing your journey. And um, we'll see you around the traps and hopefully in person sometime, COVID allowing, eh?
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye for now. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales.com. At positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing and bye for now.